Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Together, fantastic series we've been doing. Um, Pastor Mel kicked us off talking about going a bit deeper with relationships, not being just superficial with them. And then Tim Madden talked about doing what it takes to maintain relationships. And then Pastor Gordon Moore came for a visit, ex-director you know, um, of our whole nation for C3 Church. So it was a real privilege to have him around. And, and he talked about, um, in life, thinking big. But in relationships, thinking small. Take care of the details. Just do the little things. Do what you said you were going to do. That really got me. I thought, that's good. And then last week, we just had the lounge chairs up here, and Pastor Mel and Pastor Paul were talking about marriage relationships, and I know that really helped a lot of people. So we're, we're sort of covering the whole thing, really. Um, today, I want to talk about giving and receiving feedback. Now, don't shut down on me just when I announce the topic, okay? Because that, let's say that's step one. Keep listening stay open. See what the Holy Spirit might say to you today through the Word of God and through me. Okay, fantastic. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a big chunk of Scripture, but bear with me. Get your spiritual roller skates on, because I'm just going to go through it real fast and just draw out a few things. So Exodus 18, and starting at verse 5. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the desert where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I'm coming. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down. Mental note. And kissed him. Mental note. Don't worry. It's okay for men to kiss each other. I kiss my father all the time. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they'd met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done, blah, blah, blah. He said, Moses, you're awesome. Oh, no, he didn't. He said, praise be to Moses. Oh, no, he didn't. He said, praise be to the Lord. Let's just get some perspective here. Sure, you're awesome, but it was God that brought you the success. So let's just take a minute here. Who rescued you and who rescued the people? Now I know the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices. I know what we should do now, now that you've told me all this good news. Let's worship together. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. As a matter of fact, let's just go nuts and have communion and build a sense of community together around this, around this success. Fantastic. There's a bit of humility when you say, things have been going really well for me at work, and people go, wow, praise God for that. You go, Hang on, I was there. I did some stuff. Yeah, I know, but isn't God great how he helps us in every way? The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. Sounds very tiring. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why? Everybody say, Why? Why is a great question, because you know, when you say why, people answer, and sometimes it brings out the perfect moment for you to go, oh, now I can construct an answer to your why. 
Now I can get inside your head a little bit and understand what's going on. Why do you alone sit as judge? While all these people stand around you from morning till evening, Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me and I decide and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. Feedback time. Clang. You and these people who come to you will wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. You're not Superman. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. So then he says to him, you, you, you can keep on handling all the really difficult cases, but for everything else, appoint leaders of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens and let them hear disputes as well. Let them handle the simple cases and only bring the most difficult ones to you and you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. This is the alternative plan because he's understood the why. Oh, I see. You're trying to make sure everyone goes home satisfied and you're wearing yourself out trying to achieve that goal. Here's another way of achieving the same outcome. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men and then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way and Jethro returned to his own country. Right. This is not Moses' dad. He doesn't have like this, you know, I've known you since you were a little tacker, sort of background in the relationship. Moses was raised by Pharaoh, not by his own father. So this is his wife's dad. Just let that sink in for a second. How do you go with the in-laws when they come over and give you some advice? Not so great, is it? Not so hot. But there's great respect here. He bows down. There's respect. He kissed him. There's affection. Respect and affection. Respect is not earned. Well, you know what, Nathan? When you've been Superman for 20 years, then I might respect you because you will have earned it. You know what? Respect is not earned either. It's not earned. It's not about putting people through the griller until you're satisfied that they've met the demand that you can now finally respect them. It's actually just given by choice. I give you respect. And there's also this affection thing here. And you know what? Liking people is not automatic either, in case you haven't noticed. You know how the Bible sort of tells us to love each other, but nowhere does it say we have to like each other. But you know, I like some people in the room. You're all right. You go, all right, yeah. Um, you have to keep on just extending yourself and being emotionally generous until it builds into a thing where there's this mutual affection. Just like respect, you've got to extend yourself and give and you get to this place. So this is the context. Imagine some big brackets. Respect and affection. That's the context for feedback giving. Yeah. So, when you're trying to give some feedback to your boss, or your colleague, or your fellow student in the group work scenario who won't cooperate, do you respect them? Do you even like them? Because I tell you what, if you don't, the feedback loop is going to be severely compromised. 
for supercharged feedback, you need respect and affection to be present. Jethro observes Moses' life. He spends the entire day just watching, not saying a word, just going, I just need to check out what is going on. Then he asks him a why question. Why are you doing that or why are you doing it like that? Then he tells Moses he's not doing it right. Then he invites Moses to listen and gives him some advice. Moses buys in, listens and follows the advice and the final step is Jethro goes away and says, well, I'll just leave you to it. Now, I've given you my advice, you can do whatever you like with that and I'm leaving. Have a go. I'm not going to supervise you while you do trial and error with the new stuff that you've you know, got your training wheels on doing it a different way. I'm leaving. And that is a fantastic feedback process. See, in our work that we're proud of, in our, our habits that don't do us any favours, um, in our personal lives that we guard really closely and keep really private, you know, we can become really defensive and like some sort of prickly pear whenever anyone asks us why. Why are you doing that? And we've got to be really careful not to get our back up and go, well, you can't tell me what to do. Because it feels like a challenge, doesn't it? It feels like slapped in the face with a glove and 20 paces and a fight to the death. And you, well, it doesn't have to be that way. Feedback can be okay. Like it can just happen quite smoothly, believe it or not. By the way, there's even more context to that. Before Jethro arrives, part of the reason he's come is because Moses is wearing himself out doing it the wrong way. So much so, he's so stressed and so busy, he has sent his wife away. Just, just go back and live with your father. And he's gone, uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> back we go. I'm coming and I'm bringing her with me. Congratulations, you've got her back. Now, let me watch what's going on around here. How messed up is your life when you're so busy at work that you're abandoning your family relationships? Things are just out of whack. And he's patting himself on the back saying, but I'm solving all the people's problems. He's going, well, what about your own home? What about your own family? Can we pay some attention to that? So we've all got to choose. Who will I listen to about what? About what things? And will I follow advice or will I reject it? We've all got to choose. Is there someone, at least one person in your life who can come to you and say, you know what, I don't agree with the way you're doing that. I've got another suggestion. Would you like to hear some advice? Without damaging the relationship. Is there anyone in your life who can do that safely? Because we've all been there. You step out, you take a risk, you try to give some feedback to somebody and they get all wounded and the relationship's never the same again. Anyone know what I'm talking about or it was just me? Yeah. And so we go, well, I won't take that risk again. Why would I do that? So let's just keep all their relationships really superficial. And that's a lose scenario too. I'm a teacher. That's what I do for a job. So it's part of our professional responsibilities to have invite someone into our classroom, another teacher. Just sit up the back and watch. Tell me what you think afterwards really uncomfortable being watched while you do your job. Just imagine, you know, you may not be a teacher, you may um, sit at a desk and do thinking and policy work for the government or something. Imagine someone coming and go, well, I'm just going to watch you while you do your policy work. Just pulls up a chair behind you, everything on your screen, everything you flick back and forth from, you've got a PDF document over, you've got something else minimised and they're going, 
for an hour. So that's why teachers don't love it. But wow, do they hate it or what? They are so resistant to it. But it's good for us. It improves our practice. It makes us more professional. It brings in fresh thinking that we haven't thought of and we get, hey, I'm going to steal that from you shamelessly because that's awesome. And they go, yeah, sure, help yourself. Here you go, I'll send you the all the stuff that I, you know, that I spent four hours creating, you can use it, reuse it, sure, no worries. And when you get that sort of, you know, shared practice and collaboration going, it's fantastic. Why would you not do that? Just because you're scared of being exposed and transparent and looked at and assessed. Among peers, Moses was all by himself at the top. He was alone. He was a loner. The people said, you don't want to hear directly from God. You talk to God and then relay it to us. But we don't want to have anything to do with him. And it can be lonely being a leader. I know lots of people in this room. And I know there are lots of leaders in the room. It's lonely being a leader. But you're a leader for a reason. You know how you got to be a leader? Figured out how to block out the negative crowd. Go, la, 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 la. I'm not listening to you because I'm going to push through opposition and obstacles until I achieve success. And then people go, look at that success you achieved. You'd get a promotion. But basically you've developed a skill of not listening to feedback unless it agrees with you. What a great skill to have. Except if you can't turn it off. Except if you can't switch it off. Because sometimes a trusted friend with respect and affection is going to come to you and say, hey, why are you doing it like that? Can I make another suggestion? And you've got to go, oh, hang on, clunk, and just turn it off. Just turn it off for a minute. Because this is not criticism. It's not an attack. This is the kiss of a friend. This is, you know, a gift to you. And you've got to be able to hear it. (coughs) So my wife has got this amazing phrase that she uses when she's dealing with her supervisors. She says, at the end of this meeting... You know, we've talked about a whole lot of things. And she says, oh, and just in closing, is there anything you would like me to do differently? What a cool statement. So short, says so much. Is there anything? (laughs) That leaves everything wide open, doesn't it? That you would like, it's not even about is it right or wrong, is the best way of doing it or not. It's just what do you want? Would, Would you like me to do anything differently? Invite feedback. Just like, bring it on, hit me, hit me right here, I'm ready. Be a good receiver. Fantastic. So, here's what you can do. Take this home with you. Here's what I can do. Ask God for that one person in your life. You know, when we just imagined our relationships on a scale, way up here at the top, these sort of two or three people up the top, that's your sort of hunting ground for the suitable person. Someone who can say... You can say to them, you know what, if you think I'm not doing anything, you know, exactly perfectly, can you tell me? I want you to talk to me about stuff like that. Let's take our relationship down to another layer and I want to invite feedback. Otherwise, you know, if we're just mates and we're always patting each other on the back and never expressing a real opinion or challenging anything, um, then we're not really thoroughly loving each other or something. Okay. Okay. That was awkward. We got through it.
Second Samuel chapter 24, starting at verse 2, we're going to talk about an example from the Bible. Who would have thought the Bible would have so much to say about relationships? An example where feedback was received really poorly. Okay, you ready? Starting at verse 2. So the king said to Joab and the army commanders with him, go throughout the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and enroll the fighting men so that I may know how many there are. But Joab replied to the king, may the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times over. Does that sound respectful? Yes, it does. And may the eyes of my Lord, the king, does that sound affectionate? I think so. But why? Why does my Lord, the king, want to do such a thing? The king's word, however, overruled Joab and the army commanders. So they left the presence of the king to enroll the fighting men of Israel. Same context, very respectful. This person's under David in terms of rank. But this is not rebellion. This is not insubordination. It really is possible for you to supervise someone and for them to say to you sometimes, hey, why are we doing it like that? Without it being a, you know, uprising, like the Eureka Stockade or something. Crush the rebellion. He is, this guy is a big hitter. Trusted judgment. He's one of David's senior team. He ought to be able to speak. And all the commanders are there. And he says, why? Just why? What's David's answer to the why? We just read that. What was his answer? There was no answer, was there? He didn't, I don't have to explain myself to you. And that was the problem. His ego was out of control. And he's ordering a census just so he can stroke his ego and feel even bigger, like a big deal, even better about himself. That's the only motivation. So he just goes, overruled. That's it. I won't even hear your feedback. It's as if you didn't speak. And he, it's a nine-month process, counting all the fighting men in Israel just so he can go, <laughs> aren't I great? The end result is death and destruction. So many people died. David is grieved that he has sinned against God and been so foolish. And these people who who have affection for him and respect for him, were trying to head him off. Don't do it. Just, you know, can you just explain to us why you're doing it? Maybe there's another way of achieving the same thing or, or something. But he wouldn't listen. So the second thing you can do, take this home with you, the second thing you can do is ask yourself, why not? Why not listen? Why not listen? Someone's giving me some feedback, why not? I'll just hear that. I'll say, yep, sure, thank you. Tell me your feedback. I'd like to hear that. And then they leave and you process it, and you do whatever you like with it, but at least hear it. Fantastic. All right, and another story, just to finish off, where feedback was received much better. Just to end on a high note, 2 Kings chapter 5, starting at verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, oh, I thought he'd surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and say, none shall pass or something and, and I'd be cleansed. So he just, oh, hang on. And are not Abana and Papa, the, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters... This is like superiority. Our rivers are so much nicer. Can't I just go back and wash in those on this muddy pile here? He goes off in a rage. 
Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father. How's that sound? Does that sound respectful? Does that sound affectionate? My father. If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? It's a pretty simple thing. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. More layers down the hierarchy, but the difference between the person being given the feedback and the person giving it is massive. As a servant, it's a nobody. You know, it'd be common for people to not even try to memorize servants' names. I don't even know who you are. You're just one of the group. You know, you're like a, um, like a, a blender in the kitchen. You know, I just put stuff in you and say, go do that, and you process it and bring it back to me. You're just like, a, you know, an object. You don't have a status in the in this society. And this servant dares to be so brave as to try to give some feedback. But, interestingly, how do they do it? They persuade. They come up with something that makes sense. Wow, it's so hard to argue with something that just makes sense. You know, it's, it's actually just a really simple thing. What's the harm in just going and dipping? I mean, the worst that can happen is it doesn't work. Yeah, okay, I guess you're right. Like, to win people over with something that's sensible is a great way to give feedback. I try to do this with students at school. You know, if, you, if I can try to think about things a little bit differently and be flexible, I can actually come to them and say, hey, you know what, what's the harm? Actually, you've just got to do what it takes to get through. If I try to tell a student, you are worthwhile, it may be the first time they've heard that in their life. So how do I deliver that news? I've got to be clever and I've got to think of ways to deliver feedback that work. If it kind of makes sense to them, then they can, they can budge, they can come towards me a little bit. So here's what you can do. Well, end of the story, healing, life compared to David's outcomes, death, destruction. And Naaman actually ends up coming to believe in God so that there's salvation at the end of it as well as another outcome. Here's what you can do, third thing. Ask God to give you a compelling explanation or a new perspective to give someone feedback. Ask the why question. When they answer, go, okay. I go away and think about it. Ask God, how can I put this so that it'll really work, so that it'll really be received, so that it's not, uh, you know, the most offensive way of putting it, so that it's, so that it's, you know, it's thought through, considered feedback. So three things. Ask God for somebody who you can actually get feedback from. Why not listen when you're the receiver? Why not? What's the harm in just hearing people out and get a compelling perspective to help your feedback to be heard. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au We hope to see you in church again this weekend.